This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all. Where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man. Out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter. And delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and happy Monday, everybody. Today, we welcome back to the basement CBS business analyst and host of the Jill on Money radio show and podcast, Jill Schlesinger. Plus, in our headline segment, MasterCard is making changes to those free trials that always trick you into purchasing. Is it enough? We'll talk about it to the founder and CEO of Trim, Thomas Smythe. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline, answer a letter from the mailbag, and, yeah, you guessed it, serve up a helping of delicious trivia. Now, two guys who read mutual fund prospectuses like they're best-selling novels. Seriously, guys, get a hobby. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Page turners, especially when we get to the part about 12B1 fees, riveting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Perspectus. Perspecti. It's plural. Perspecti fun in the morning podcast. I'm Joe Salci. I have Joe Money on Twitter and uh, my co-host here. A guy who just eats up perspectuses, perspecti, and spits them out, Mr. OG. 
I knew my Latin class from high school would come in handy. Prospectorum, prospectus, prospecti. You're a prospectoramus. Prospectoramus. <laughs> That's something like that. That's a dinosaur that oh, eats prospectuses. Oh, yeah. yeah. for lunch, right. For lunch, yes. You've got your herbivores, your carnivores, your prospectivores. <laughs> <laughs> we can't make this up. This is like totally live television, this is, like on the fly. It is a train wreck in action. <laughs> But it's slow motion. The cool thing is you don't have to travel to get there. But if you did have to travel to get there, you know what you'd want to take? I do know. Yes, because I have one and they're fantastic. I have two. You have two. Oh, oh. yes, I do. Yes. I have two. Yes, you have two of them. And so do I. This episode of Stacking Actually, Benjamins. I have one. Mrs. OG has one. That's right. the delineation. Yeah. Mrs. OG has two and she lets you use one. That's also a fair statement. Let's let's be serious here. This episode of Stacking Benjamins brought to you by Away. I love that in our basement Facebook group, people talking about what's that cool luggage and uh, people going on and on about it. Away makes first class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go for $20 off a suitcase. Head to awaytravel.com slash SB. We just save you 20 bucks and use the promo code SB. That's awaytravel.com slash SB promo code SB. The best thing about it isn't even the charging port. It's the fact that you can haul all your stuff in there. I think the design of it's amazing. The design is incredible. It is so well made. I absolutely love it. Stand on it. You can jump on it. It doesn't break. I love the fact. I can't believe you've tried that, but that's that's great. Not on purpose. Thanks also to Omax Health for supporting Stacky Benjamins. I got to tell you, workouts have been a little difficult here in the... Uh, Going to get the mail at your house is a workout now because you got to shovel 74 feet of snow. When they tell you don't breathe when you're outside, don't take big breaths... Yeah, it might be. It might be slightly cold. But anyway, so I get my butt to the gym. And for a couple of days, I didn't take my Omax three. And what was funny was my joints the next day, just my the the level of uh, like creaky Squeakiness. old guy happening. Yeah, very bad. It's, it's funny. Like the tin man. It's funny Wizard because, well, it's one of those things, you know, to quote the old what? uh I don't remember, is that a Tesla song? You don't know what you got till it's gone or whatever. <laughs> when I stopped taking it, I stopped taking Omax 3. I realized I need to get back on the train. Thanks to Omax Health for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Omax 3 Ultra Pure, the purest omega-3 supplement on the market. When you visit the site, tryomax.com slash SB, they'll send you a free box of Omax 3 Ultra Pure with your first purchase. That's tryomax.com slash SB. We're getting you a free box of Omax 3 Ultra Pure, 20 bucks off your suitcase. What else do you want from us? We got Jill Schlesinger here, OG. It's a gift that keeps on giving. I know. She was just here. We're so happy she's back. But first, we got some headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. First headline comes to us from Investment News, the place where financial advisors hang out. Uh, this is written by Mark Schaff Jr., FINRA initiative cracks down on firms recommending costly 529 share classes. Regulator gives firms until April 1st to report themselves, avoid fines, restitution still required. The piece reads, FINRA launched an effort last Monday to crack down on brokerages selling educational savings accounts that are too expensive for the clients investing in them. The Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, Inc. is targeting suitability violations centered on the types of 529 plans recommended to customers, asserting brokers may be pushing high-fee share classes that don't fit their investment objectives. 
Under the 529 plan share class initiative, FINRA is giving firms until April 1st to review their sales of the savings vehicles and self-report infractions. If a firm steps forward, it will have to return money to harmed investors, but will not be fined. Quote, by focusing on restitution and rapid remediation through the 529 initiative, FINRA is working with firms that demonstrate a commitment to fixing potential problems and making customers whole promptly, Finner Executive Vice President for Enforcement Susan Schrader said in a statement. Finner's highest priority in an enforcement action is to first seek restitution to any harmed investors. We also seek to ensure that systematic deficiencies are remediated. In this initiative, we're sharing our concerns and observations about sales of 529 plans to achieve these goals as quickly and effectively as possible. The self-reporting program, similar to one the SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, offered last year when it came to high-fee mutual fund share classes. Uh, And then it goes into how 529 plans work. And uh, basically, some people selling front-end load funds to kids going to school in the next couple of years. Bam. uh Uh-oh. That might be a problem. Some people selling C-share classes where there's an additional fee on top of the 529 plan, the regulator implied that too often C shares are being used and actually then said A shares are the best way to go for an advisor to collect a commission if it's more than seven years away, that they should be using A shares instead are not. So basically, this thing's been going on for what, about 20 years now? FINRA just finally getting around to kind of thumbing through the record books and figuring out. How 529s are sold. It's amazing to me. I remember when I was, I haven't been an advisor in forever. And I remember advisors where I was going, really? You're selling a 529 plan that way? Like seriously, when it came to 529 plans, I did very, very little as an advisor. Like I was happy. I was happy collecting fees for helping people manage their money. But how much management did I do around a 529 plan? Right. Almost none. Yeah, we're kind of the same way. We don't really offer 529s, partially because because they're so expensive, generally speaking, inside of them. And there's obviously a lot of companies now, Vanguard in particular, and some iShares and things like that, that are that are making the products themselves a little less expensive. They're not regulated the same way because they're technically state securities. So the states have like a little finger in the pie too and stuff like that. So it's hard to go through, you know, the website that comes in my mind is savingforcollege.com, which is, I know it's a subscription site, but I think they give away a lot of information for free also on what products are really good. But you remember early on, 529s were only for the state that you were in. So it used to be whatever your state had is what you get to offer. And then they expanded it a little bit. Brokerage companies got involved, figured out it was a great way to make a whole bunch of money. But uh, nobody ever took it from the perspective of the consumer. And now I think 20 years into it, companies are finally figuring out, okay, we have to figure a way now to do what's right by the consumer. Also, at the same time, FINRA and the SEC are saying, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, do what's right by the consumer. There is, and it's I very, know... Uh, very sloppy business right now. Absolutely. The confusing thing about a 529 plan, about a college savings plan for parents is the whole idea of you can buy so many different ones. Like I remember when I was learning to become a financial advisor, one of the top advisors in the country told me, he said, if you give your client more than three choices, you will often just overwhelm them. So give them at a max three choices and preferably give them two choices. Let's do this or do that. 
Don't give them all 10 that you looked at as an advisor, which sometimes drove me crazy because I'm the guy that, you know, I'm kind of the engineer mentality that wants to hear all 10. But I remember I went against that advice only a couple times and just the deer in the headlights in people's eyes. And 529 plans give people deer in the headlights. And they seriously do. All these things, What? which one of these am I going to choose? And it's not ending either. That's the problem is that not only are there all these products, but then there's more stuff that comes out. Well, should I use the 529 for my private high school tuition too? Because that's a new tax law that I can do. And my state offers a prepaid tuition plan, but it's only good for these schools where I can use these schools and have this prepaid tuition plan. We're in Texas. There are three different levels of prepaid plans depending on, say that three times real fast, prepaid plans, um, depending on what level of school that you want to buy. And you go, well, I don't know if my kid's going to go to UT Austin or West Texas A&M or Baylor. I, 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 you know, I don't know where they're going to go, but that is three different layers of contributions that you have to have to pay for the tuition. It's, it's very complicated. That is, and then you add to it the well, fact that consumers are just getting hosed in the back end. So Yeah, and that's, that's precisely the reason why I would often discourage people from doing the prepaid tuition programs. Not that the math doesn't work, because in many cases, the math works great. Yeah. But but you got to predict where Junior's going to go to college. And if Junior doesn't go to school in some of the programs, it's hard to get your money back. Like the the, the win condition seems so narrow as long as XYZ happen. And when you're making these decisions when you should be making them, which is when Junior's two, how can you predict right. that? Yeah. How can you predict it? Right. Yep. Well, it's good to see uh, Finner doing something here that's um, helping people out a little bit. It's too bad that it took them 20 years to figure it out. But um, there's so many options now with 529 plans that I, I just don't see why why you should be paying a, a really healthy commission on it. Um, I don't either. There's too many other good options that don't have that at yeah. this point. Yeah, go to a place like Saving for College, compare and contrast different, uh, different places. I think an advisor is not going to manage this money. I can't imagine what an advisor does besides help you at the beginning. Like maybe there's a small fee at the beginning for helping you wade through all of these different problem scenarios. Okay, I get a small, but but some of the fees people pay to advisors to quote manage this when once you see- There's like seven funds to pick from anyway. So there's really not that much to manage. And my perspective on it is that it's a sinking fund. We're trying to accumulate money exactly the right amount so that we can take all that money out exactly the right amount so that at the end of the day, there's nothing left. All of it. Yes. Yes. And and that kind of goes against everything that I do when it comes to financial planning. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. but, but that's funny. That's why often we would underfund these plans. We'd underfund them. We would, we would look at the cost yeah. of four years of college and we might put in two years or three years knowing that that's not enough, having some on the outside just in case there were scholarships. Or the family found a different way. And often, you know, we've we've mentioned this before, and maybe people haven't heard this, but a lot of college costs, I'll tell you, with my kids, a lot of the cost ended up being cost transfer. And I didn't really get that until my kids got close to college age, which was there is a cost to feed my kids at home. And it's funny when my son, who was the captain of the swim team and could eat everything in the house and more... When he went to college where it was an all-you-can-eat buffet deal, I flippin' won. <laughs> like I, paid, <laughs> <That was> a, <laughs> I paid less money for You tried him. to get him to go to college earlier. I did. Hey, uh, sophomore in high school, you want to go to college now? 
uh, at least get on the college uh, dining plan. But a lot of those transfers ended up being a surprise. Like, you know, had I saved dollar for dollar for all the college costs, my budget would have been just this cornucopia of money. Which isn't the end of the world. Anytime I can use the word cornucopia during the podcast. It's fantastic. We don't even have that square on the bingo card, do we? It's not a word that's used very often. It, it is not. That should be like the special square, like five times, I don't know, something. Like if, if, it, if it were Stacking Benjamin Scrabble instead of bingo, like if we, use, ah, if we okay. use cornucopia, you get like this huge bell ring that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And in our second headline today, news from uh, Fortune Magazine, this piece written by Lucas Larson, MasterCard will protect users from expensive free trial forgetfulness. And we could go into the article, but instead I thought, let's talk to a guy who knows a lot more about this than the average person. And that's our good friend, Thomas Smythe from Trim. How are you, man? I am great. Thanks for having me back on, Joe. Well, it's so funny because uh, obviously we see you guys in the news all the time, helping people lower expenses. We'll talk about that a little bit, but you're on board with this, huh? MasterCard doing a good thing here for consumers? Oh, I think it's great. And they're just catching up to the, the reality of where most Americans are today, which is that the only thing people hate worse than spam phone calls is having something continue to charge their credit card when they totally forgot about it. Right. Well, let's talk about how this works, exactly what they're going to do. So if I use my MasterCard and I sign up on a free trial basis, what is it MasterCard allowing? Well, it looks like from this announcement, MasterCard is going to require merchants to communicate with the customer when their card is actually going to be charged after a free trial. So let's say I go to some cool website and hear about some great service and I sign up with my credit card. MasterCard, if it's a MasterCard, is going to require that merchant to communicate with me if I'm going to get billed in a month. But Joe, I actually want to flag one thing that I think this announcement doesn't necessarily go far enough. I think MasterCard should actually be requiring merchants to get the user's permission to charge them after a free trial rather than just notifying them. So I think this is definitely a step in the right direction, but I think there's even more that MasterCard could be doing here to make sure that people are really only paying for what they want, not for what they don't want. So I get through my two weeks or my month or whatever it might be, and then I get another thing from MasterCard or from the merchant saying, hey, your free trial's over, click here, like opt in instead of opt out so that I then start getting charged for the service. I think that would be ideal because look, at the end of the day, how many people really read each and every email that's sent to them? Nobody these days, right? So making it really clear to folks that there's something that's going to happen if they want the service, they should you know, say, hey, I actually want the service. I think that's kind of the next step. And that's what you'll see happen in the next few years, man. I would, what, what's happening is sorry, Joe, just one additional point. Sure. I think this announcement from MasterCard is really actually following in the footsteps of a new California law that requires a similar notification procedure from the merchant. So we're seeing actually just the commercial terms of MasterCard's agreements with its own merchants catching up to and hitting parity with what's actually been passed in the law in California last year. Do you expect to see more laws or do you think that companies like MasterCard, do you think Visa will follow suit? American Express. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question, Joe. I think that for an issue like this, you've got to see movement from these big corporations as well as from legislation. And you're, you've, you've got to see movement on both sides to really make a difference. Again, I go back to the analogy to these spam phone calls that are just eating up uh, Americans' phone lines. And it's like the big boys, you know, Verizon and so forth, need to do something about that, right? But it's also going to require Congress to step in and say, hey, we actually care about consumers, and this is unacceptable. I think you need to see the same sort of movement from industry and from government in order to really make a dent in this problem. Oh, those those phone calls drive me crazy. Uh, between the a warranty on a car I no longer own and uh-huh. do you need health insurance and the fact that it's a different phone number every time so I can't block them anymore. Oh, my it's it's crazy it's criminal yeah oh it absolutely should be just it wastes so much time like do i i don't know that phone number but they always make it a phone number well everybody knows how it works let's talk about how a different game works because we don't have to wait for mastercard or the government the reason we've had you on the show before is because trim is a service that looks through your subscriptions uh so you don't have to wait for mastercard tell everybody a little bit about what you guys do yeah exactly joe so Trim is a service that allows you to live your financial life worry-free, okay? So you sign up, you connect all of your accounts. Our AI, our little artificial intelligence machine, goes in and analyzes all of your spending across all of your accounts. And what we're trying to do is get a complete financial picture of what's happening in your financial life and how that could be better, how you could be financially healthier. And one of the things that we do to promote this is to identify all of your recurring payments and subscriptions. And for many people, they know about 90% of them. And then there's like one or two where they're like, golly, I did sign up for that free trial and I wanted to watch that one TV show a couple months ago. And I totally forgot about that. I actually, I was over at a friend's house the other night and uh, he signed up for a HBO premium, whatever, whatever, because we were wanted to watch one single movie. And he was like, yeah, I'll cancel it. It's a free trial. I was like, uh, l- <laughs> let me follow up with you. you know? <laughs> like, let's make sure that gets on your calendar. So what we, again, going back to trim, what we do is identify all of those recurring payments. And then where possible, we can actually allow you to cancel them with one click. And so when you click cancel, the cancel button inside of trim, we'll submit an email to that biller on your behalf. We have this huge database of billers. And it says, hey, look, I, I, I really don't want to pay for this anymore. Can you please unsubscribe me? It is super easy. And people just go to asktrim.com, correct? Exactly. A-S-K-T-R-I-M.com. It is so easy. Thomas, thanks for explaining this stuff to us. And great talking to you again, man. Great to hear from you. And uh, excited to get into the new year. Big thanks to Thomas. You know, I agree. Credit card companies stepping up and saying, you know what? I think it helps them too. It's great advertising for these credit card companies to say, hey, we'll make sure if you want to try this thing out that you don't end up buying something that you could care less about. Yeah. I wonder how much time they spend in client service trying to get rid of a charge like that versus preemptively not allowing it. Oh, good point. Unless you affirmatively you know, sign up for it or whatever the subscription. Yeah. When somebody just disputes it on the credit card later. Yeah. Could be a lower operations expense too. By the way, Thomas, I believe is in Southern California. 
that's a place I'd like to be right now. If I could get on a plane and go to Southern California, OG, I would let you just went to Southern California. And, and, and I'm going again. <laughs> it's a wonderful place this time of year. That is, that's so bad. And what goes with you when you go? Of course, your Away travel bag. Thanks to Away for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Away makes affordable, high-quality suitcases that charge your phone. Here's the deal. Because they cut out the middleman, Away is able to offer the perfect luggage made with high-quality materials at a much lower price. It comes in a variety of colors and four sizes. What color's yours? I don't remember. Uh, kind of like a dark blue. I got that really light, that baby blue, just so I can see it right away when it comes up on the... When, you know, when I'm standing there in baggage claim, I know my bags immediately, light, mm-hmm. light baby blue. And at first I thought, well, I'm going to get these and they're going to look kind of not great, but they look fantastic. Even after they've taken a beating from those people, those people at the uh, airport, not nice to your bag. They have a certain level of love and care that they provide to each bag. <laughs> and that level is very low. Yeah. <laughs> It comes in a variety of colors and four sizes. They have the carry-on. I have one of those. The bigger carry-on. I have one of those. I don't have the medium or the large. Do you have those? Nope. We're, we're carry-on only, folks. Yeah. That's how we roll. Away's designed. The, I, I like the bigger carry-on myself, but Away's designed the perfect suitcase to make your travel experiences stress-free. The carry-on bags have two USB ports and a high-capacity battery that allows you to charge multiple devices on the go, phones, tablets, laptops. You don't have to worry then about a dead phone or you have to fight for that outlet at the airport. Ultra-durable yet lightweight. It's made with premium impact-resistant German polycarbonate. I have no idea what German polycarbonate is, but I'll tell you this. This thing is durable. You get a smooth ride in any direction. I used to have bags that I got at TJ Maxx because Cheryl and I seriously didn't care. We'd just buy the cheap bag. And then right. the, the first thing to go was always the the stupid rollers. And then I'm dragging my suitcase across the floor. And uh, yeah, not fun. With Away, you get a smooth ride, four 360-degree spinner wheels that don't get stuck or break. It's theft-proof, TSA-approved combination lock built in to keep your belongings safe. It's pretty amazing. And you know what? You don't have to take my word for it, OG's word for it, or people in the basement that love its word for it. You get 100 days as a trial period. If at any point you decide it's not for you, you get to return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Here's a way special offer just for our Stacking Benjamins family. For $20 off a suitcase, head to awaytravel.com slash SB and use promo code SB at checkout. Plus get free shipping anywhere in the lower 48 states. That's awaytravel.com slash SB, promo code SB. I think our takeaway, number one, is uh, watch out for those trial offers that you sign up for with your credit card. I still wouldn't rely on MasterCard to take care of your business, right? You sign up for that trial offer. You should sign up and then circle the date two weeks later, a month later, whatever the date is you're going to get charged. And uh, two days before that, get rid of the thing. And then uh, our second takeaway is that 529 plan that you're paying a lot of money to your advisor to quote manage might not be a lot of management that needs to be done in that arena. Well, you heard her here at the end of the year, and she always is welcome in the basement. She carries the show, OG. Jill Schlesinger is who we're talking about. She's a CBS business analyst. You'll see her on CBS often. She also has what I've said many, many times is my favorite financial 
podcast, financial radio show, Jill on Money. Uh, I love the way she talks to people when they call in. I love her answers to questions and uh, slightly snarky, as you know. Is, is snarky the right the, the right term? Uh, yeah. Lots of fun to hang out with. She's coming back down to the basement. Let's say hi to Jill Schlesinger. And coming back for a return trip to the basement. So glad we have her. Jill Schlesinger's here. How are you? I am so great. And I feel very honored since we just, when did we speak about the, like three, the end of the year? We like were doing th- year end? Three weeks ago. So This is unbelievable. I want to come on every three weeks. Y- you should come on like every, you would save the show. We need oh, somebody. Stop it. Stop it. Both of our listeners, Jill, love you. So it's, fan- <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic. Uh, you, you're very, uh, self-effacing and I appreciate that, but thank you for having me back. Congratulations on the new book though. It's always got to be fun to see your name in print again and again and again. Yeah. I mean, this was a work of many, many years. I am not one of these people who pumps out books. I have great admiration for those who do. I found the process agonizing and exhausting. And really, I wanted to make sure that what I wrote was something that's different than what's out there. And I think that just the general sense that I have had, both as a former trader, a money manager, a certified financial planner, and now working at CBS News and hearing from lots of people and hosting a podcast and a radio show, made me realize that we are all really dumb and I don't know if you allow swearing down in the basement, but I like to refer to this is that we all have those oh shit moments that like we just say, oh my God, what did I just do? You know, it's always fun to beep it out. I mean, that's the fun part. We do swear and then we beep it out just because okay. it's funnier that way. So that was, okay. that was good. That was a classic moment, good. but we do. And like you say in the book, and I'm so happy that you write similarly to the way that you talk, you tell great stories and it's funny, but it also is uh, very enlightening. Like, you know, people are smart, but we do dumb things with our money. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that I realized that I can't continue to hear from these people who were incredibly accomplished. And, you know, I'm talking about really important doctors and attorneys and researchers and educators, people who are phenomenal at what they do in their real lives, but who seem to really fall prey to some dumb things. You know, it's one thing for somebody to throw their hands up in the air and say like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm just going to have someone else do it. What I'm worried about is people who really believe that they're smarter than everyone else and still fall prey to this and do so over and over again. I actually thought that this was not going to be a book worth writing after the financial crisis because I thought that most people would wake up and figure out the mistakes they'd made and also realize I don't know as much as I thought I knew. But now it's 10 years later, and guess what? We're all that stupid. Isn't We're that amazing? all that dumb. We're all making the same mistakes over and over again. I read about yep. them every day in the press, yep. and I'm like, really? Already? Like, we learned yep. nothing. Let's dive into, in chapter one, you go over, because obviously we don't want to go over, the, we don't have time to go over the whole book, but I want to dive a little deep on, on a piece of this. So I thought we'd take from chapter one, you talk about people buying products they don't understand, and I thought we could leverage your knowledge on the three products you talk about here. Number one, and I was so happy you started with this because I feel exactly the same way. You say people do not understand gold. 
And boy, did, uh, you know, I, I entitled the section No More Looking for Mr. Goldbar, uh, which is a throwback, which also puts me at a certain age where I'm going to do that. And and so I think the first lesson that you should sort of take from a lot of this is if you see someone on very late night television hawking something and saying like, you should do this, 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 and this with your money, it's probably a good time for you to just go to sleep or turn on Netflix and not buy anything. The problem with gold as it is sort of marketed is it's seen as this way to really protect your fortunes. You know, if the whole world goes and the investment world goes to hell in a handbasket, then if you own gold, you will be safe. But what people don't realize, and I, as a former gold trader, that was my first job on Wall Street, I bought and sold gold, silver, and copper options for a living. What most people don't realize who get into this world is, A, it's incredibly volatile. B, it can be a highly illiquid investment, meaning you can buy physical gold. You got to pay to have it housed somewhere, or you're paying for something that's very difficult to resell. So, so A, B, and C, there are many other ways to protect against Armageddon than buying something that is expensive and illiquid. And I think that that's the the part. It, it preys. There are a lot of talk shows that were, I remember the first time I launched my radio show, I was asked to read a spot for a gold broker and I refused to do it. So I just said, this is not what people need. This is actually the wrong type of investment for the vast majority of people. You would think that a lot of people trading gold already know this. Why is there that much money in commissions on gold that we're seeing the late night TV shows? Is that the deal? Uh, that's it. That's really where it is. That, In fact, I would say that one of the things that's really interesting about many infomercial pitches that you will see, and we'll talk about another one of them, is that they all have massive commissions built into them. So it's a little bit different. It's almost like going back into the heyday where you would go buy a car and you knew that the person selling you the car was making some money. But but you never knew quite so much as you know how much it was. And in every aspect of our world, whether it is cars where everyone sort of goes into a dealership understanding now what did the dealer pay for it and now what am I going to pay for it? Or maybe it's uh, something as simple as an airplane ticket. You understand how to peel back the onion and figure out what you're paying. Not so for these late night pitches that have the big commissions that are built into them. And I mean, look, if you want to buy gold, there are some ways to buy gold. I'm still suspect that you need to buy anything at all. But if you really say I need gold as an investment, you don't need to buy physical gold. You can buy a gold mining stock. You could buy a gold exchange traded fund or a gold index fund. You could do those things. But even that, I'm, I'm sort of soured on over the past 35 years because there are many other ways to protect yourself if there were to be Armageddon. And I, I want to say Armageddon for a second because I do tell the story of my step-grandmother who escaped the Nazis in Hungary by her mother putting a bunch of gold in her hand and she traipsed across Europe, got to London and then Australia eventually. And that's the gold saved her life. So it, it pains me to say that, yes, gold was very important in 1938 in Hungary as the Nazis were marching in. It's less so this day and age. What, people characterize gold as being, you know, safe. I, back when I was a financial planner, I had, I had people that would tell me that like, I want to invest in gold because it's safe. 
And yet I remember a great column that Walter Updegrave wrote talking about how gold is eight times more volatile than the stock market. Like if you don't like the stock market roller coaster, you're going to hate the gold roller coaster. Yeah, absolutely. A great point. And the volatility of any commodity is so much greater than the stock market volatility. So I know there are people who will say to me, I just can't take the market anymore. I'm going to sell everything and I'm going to buy a single piece of real estate or I'm going to buy a bunch of gold bars. And you know what? You find that everything has risk, but there are some things that are riskier than others and certainly have more ups and downs. And and commodities also have that. You know, look, I should also point out that a lot of people will buy this product called gold for protection, right? You know, I went back and I looked at a pretty volatile period where, um, say, 2012 to 2017, like the very beginning as the economy was coming back through 2017. You know, we had lots of different things that happened during that time. You know, we had a debt ceiling crisis. We had a Greek debt crisis. We had the Brexit. We had all these things. We had crude oil plunging. And over those five years, the stock market is measured by the S&P 500. It was up 82%. Gold was down 47%. So, what are you really protecting against? That's the bigger question. Like, yes, if you are protecting against the Nazis marching in, maybe you should have some gold jewelry floating around. I don't think that that's what most people, what the impetus for their purchases are. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the time people just gave it a little more thought and kind of thought through all the dominoes instead of the potential next domino that you'd eliminate gold. But let's move on to the next one. Reverse mortgages. My my mind has been a little changed lately on reverse mortgages. Like these can be a good thing, but nobody understands what the hell they're doing. Well, I think that that's the issue. And I agree that, look, in the same way that if you wanted to buy gold in a very specific way, I could tell you a way to buy gold. And I think that reverse mortgages are also similar in that they are much better than they used to be. Like when you and I were practicing this was like the scam of the century. It was just so bad. And and it has absolutely 100% improved. It really has. I, I, I agree. I still think that people misuse this product and fall back on it when there are other options. And I, I spoke to a woman who is a reverse mortgage expert who essentially was able to explain to me some of the problems, which is there's still a lot of misinformation out there that even though these are backed by HUD, there's no, there's not a lot of people giving you very good sound advice about a reverse mortgage. So it is true. I agree with you. Reverse mortgages can be really helpful. I just don't think you should do it alone. I think you should be working with a financial advisor who's a fiduciary who's putting your needs first, who's saying, you know what? Today is the day I'm going to tell you this is when it works. And that's my biggest sort of issue with the reverse mortgage market right now, that there's not enough of the, hey, go get someone to help you with this because it is thorny. These are so obscure that a lot of people listening don't even know how they work. Can you explain briefly how a reverse mortgage works? It's hard, so hard to do without getting in the weeds. All right, I'm going to try to do this. So you know how a regular mortgage works is I buy a house, I borrow money, and I use borrowed money to buy the house. Well, this is a product that's the reverse of that. So I own my house outright or just have a teeny tiny mortgage left. And what this product does is it says if you're over the age of 62, you can basically get equity out of your home. Without taking a home equity loan, it's essentially buying a product that pushes the equity, the the money that is the difference between what it's worth and what's owed on it, and it can it can 
shoot out to you as a lump sum or as monthly payments. The beautiful part of this in concept is that, you know, down the road when you die or you don't live in your home, the bank gets its money back by the sale of the house and some interest and finance charges. And the problem that many people can find in this day and age is you come to retirement and you have a lot of money that's in your house, right? Yeah. It's locked in your house, but you can't get it out. Well, you don't want to get a loan at that point because then you have to pay interest and, and there's a lot of rules around that. And also you might not have income and maybe someone doesn't want to lend to you. Okay. So now I'm going to get a reverse mortgage and I'm going to get that equity sent to me. It is actually, as you said, it can be better. The problem is that a lot of people have a misconception about how the product works because the issuer of this reverse mortgage can actually create lots of fees and can also do some, I don't want to say illegal, but shady stuff to try to foreclose on a borrower's home whether it's for the next generation or even while someone's in it. And there are a lot of covenants that have to be kept. And what I have to tell you is that if you read through the chapter, I do tell a worst case scenario about a story of a woman named Bonnie who really has a horrible thing go on with her mother and like the mother had dementia and there was a reverse mortgage taken out and nobody was there to kind of watch out for her. That's an extreme case. I think that my bottom line on a reverse mortgage is remember, They work better as you get older. They work better when you have a ton of equity in the house and they work better when interest rates are a little bit higher. Okay. So it's like the inverse of the way you think about how a regular mortgage works. That said, if someone is selling you this concept called a reverse mortgage, and says, you don't have to move, Joel. Don't worry about it. You can live in your house. No problem. You'll have all the money you need. You don't have to go to an apartment. You're going to die in this house and be happy. I just want a little yellow flag to go up for you. And I want you to then say, oh, I remember when Jill was talking about this on Stacking Benjamins. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to make sure I get to a fiduciary advisor who can make sure This is the very best advice for me because the person selling you the product is not under that obligation. There's so many opportunities for them to just gouge you on fees. There are just so many opportunities. It's, it's, it's ugly. I was glad you included that because that was horrible. Now the third, so, so we covered gold and we got reverse mortgages. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Next coming up, I think is going to be annuities and you don't go to annuities. You go to hedge funds which is, I love that. I mean, cause you know, I'm going to have a hate on for annuities all over the book in general, <laughs> right. but, uh, and, and I, I shouldn't say that, but I have a whole section where I say I love insurance so that all of you guys who've been hating my insurance knocks on annuities, et cetera. I do love insurance. I chose hedge funds because I find that that is the most mystifying sales job that has been carried out by the industry in like I'm perhaps my career. I, I, okay. So what is a hedge fund? I'm a hundred years old back in the eighties. When we talked about hedge funds, the way we talked about them, as we said, they were a fund to hedge to kind of counter 
the main part of your portfolio. So a hedge fund could say, maybe I have a whole bunch of money in the stock market and I want to create a bunch of investments that would balance that stock market investment if the market were to go down. So you hedge your risk. Okay. Anyone who's a gambler, not that you're gambler's listening, you can see this at the, at, you know, when you play craps all the time, you can hedge your bets with offsetting bets that eat into your profit on the upside, but limit your, your damage on the downside. Okay. So what does a hedge fund become? It's not a hedge fund. It's a pool of money where some hot shot quote unquote manager is going out and trying to find the best stuff to beat the market. And the dirty little secret about hedge funds is that they cost a ton of money. You may have heard of something called two and 20. It is 2% of an annual fee ongoing every single year, plus 20% of the upside. And what one hedge fund manager loved to tell, tell me when I was talking about the book is the dirty secret of hedge funds is no one cares about the 20% on the upside. They all care about collecting that 2% fee from a bunch of schnooks who think that they're going to outperform the market when they could just buy the S&P 500. Because guess what? Hedge funds actually usually lag the index. So why are we pouring money into these things? I can't believe it. And by the way, why do they have special tra tax treatment? That's a whole separate issue. But I just thought I'd throw that in there, that the hedge fund managers have about zero incentive to do right by you. It's it's so amazing to me. I, w when I first heard about hedge funds like you, I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. Hedge my risk. You know, I can put money in a spot. It's going to be a lot safer. And lo and behold, biggest misnomer maybe out there. I think between this and robo advisor, not that there's nothing wrong with robo advisors, like what they do, but it's not an advisor. Like there's no, there's no advisor included in your robo thingy, uh, yeah. hedge fund. There's no hedging going on with most of your funds. Yeah. And I think that part of the problem, and I put this, you know, in the book is that we really are taking advice in, and I'm putting air quotes around advice from the wrong people. You know, I, I also think that, you know, you know this because you're from the industry. So many of these products are so boring so that when somebody's sort of telling you the sexy part of it, it's exciting, right? And like, you don't want to go through and read the fine print of why the gold commission is going to be a sizable part of your investment. And you don't want to read the fine print of the reverse mortgage. And you certainly don't want to read the fine print of the prospectus for the hedge fund that basically says, you know, we're going to rob you blind and you're going to like it. And that is a tough thing. And I believe that a lot of people sort of throw those big, boring documents away. And I also think that there are a lot of people out there who look at the world of investing and they're they're trying to find some excitement and gold sounds exciting and a hedge fund sounds exciting and it sounds like a fun thing to talk about with your friends and a reverse mortgage sounds like the answer to everything that ever was wrong with your retirement planning scenario. And we are falling prey to this mistake and it's costing tens and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, I like what you say about this though, Jill, you, it's because fear sells too. I mean, the fear that something might happen, the fear that I might have to move out of my house, the fear that I should probably, you know, the FOMO fear of missing out on this hotshot hedge fund manager or the fear that, um, the fear with gold that Armageddon is going to happen and I'm not going to have a bunch of precious metal in my basement. Fear really, really sells in the financial business. 
Yeah. And, and look, we've always known this for, you know, for as long as the world has had financial products, there are two basic emotions, fear and greed, right? These esoteric and sometimes complicated products tend to actually prey on both ends of that fear and greed. But the answer that I think that is really hard for people to understand is not maybe that you have to know everything, but you do have to ask questions. And I can't for the life of me ever figure out when I, you know, someone calls the radio show or the podcast and I say, well, what did the, when you asked this question, what did the advisor say? And they'll say, oh, I didn't ask that question. Well, why didn't you want to ask the question? Well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, uh, embarrass the guy. What? Why are we afraid of asking questions? This was another part of the, the the learning that I had from talking to people and writing the book. There is a, a certain amount of, like, it feels like discourteous. In the same way, maybe we never used to question doctors, and now we've, we, we're very, I'm very comfortable saying, so why do I need that test? What, why is that? I think to some degree, we don't want it to be confrontational also, and we don't want to look stupid. Yes, I completely agree with you. Because if I ask that question, then I'm exposing myself as someone who doesn't know. But guess what? Guys, you're not supposed to know. Right. How are you supposed to know about commissions built into gold products? How are you supposed to know that reverse mortgages can be very dangerous if uh, your heirs are not included in the thinking around this? How are you supposed to know that a hedge fund is not as much worried about making money for you as they are to just collect a fee that is essentially twice as much as you'd pay for an actively managed fund, which is that in and of itself too much to pay anyway instead of an index fund. I know how you're supposed to know. You read Joe Schlesinger's book. That's how you know. Chuh. Of yeah, course. Yeah, I like that, man. The book is The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money. See that transition? I actually made a decent transition there. I shouldn't even That's point cool. it out. Uh, 13 Ways to Write Your Financial Wrongs. By the way, we we covered part of chapter one, but you ask, you give us some of those questions that you should ask. Then you go into, we take financial advice from the wrong people. We make uh, money more important than it is. You take on too much college debt. You buy a house when you should rent. You take on too much risk and you fail to protect your identity. You go on and on. Great stuff. Where do people get it, Jill? Well, they can go to the website, jillonmoney.com, and you can order it right there from your various booksellers of choice. So go to any bookseller you would like, but I have a link to, because some people want to do the independent bookstores and some yeah. of the people want to say I'm an Amazon member, wherever you want to buy it, we've got a link everywhere. Awesome. Great. And we'll link to that on our show notes page at stackybenjamins.com. So happy you could uh, hang out with us for a few minutes more. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so delighted. Uh, listen, I would be on your show every three weeks. We can do a chapter a week. <laughs> we got to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> You'll save the show. It's about Stop. time. All right. Stay out of trouble. Take care. Thanks so much. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my trivia. I pulled out my handy What Holiday Is It Today magic booklet, and today just so happens to be Thank Your Mail Carrier Day. Those hard workers definitely deserve a day to themselves, especially after that severe weather we had last week across the country, don't you think? I mean, in honor of postal carriers everywhere, let's throw out some trivia that postal pros will appreciate. Are you familiar with those fancy stamps that post office is always putting out? 
Well, while some people have appeared on several different stamps over the years, there's only one person that holds the title of Stamp Champ. Actually reminds me of... Never mind. Which significant historical figure has been featured on more post office stamps than any other person or event? I'll be back with a trivia answer right after this. Thanks to Omax Health for supporting Stacky Benjamins and also for supporting me <laughs> as I crank up my gym workouts here while it gets really, really, really cold here in the Midwest. Which is why I want to talk about omega-3s for a minute because Omax 3 Ultra Pure, the purest omega-3 supplement on the market, wrote to us about sponsoring the podcast. And in case you're unaware, omega-3s have been pushed as one of the healthiest supplements, but many have questioned whether that's too good to be true. Over 75% of Americans don't get enough omega-3s in their diet, and you're probably one of them. So let me tell you why they're so important. They alleviate joint pain. I can attest to that inflammation and muscle soreness. It makes you feel your best, especially post-workout. As I mentioned uh, last week, I stopped taking them for a couple days. And it's funny because I thought, no, you know, I'm not feeling that bad. And immediately I felt absolutely horrible after my workouts. (laughs) You're also probably wondering what else makes Omax 3 different from other supplements on the market. Well, you've probably seen some of those supplements at the store, but many of the top sellers simply don't have adequate quality or quantity of omega-3s for therapeutic results. Omax has sold over 500,000 boxes of Ultra Pure due to its cult following, and it has a cult following because it's almost 94% pure omega-3 fatty acids. It's the purest concentration on the market. Leading store brands only contain about 30%. Omax has a patented EPA to DHA ration of four to one, specifically engineered for inflammation and joint pain. Omax Ultra Pure goes through an intense distillation process in Europe to remove saturated fats, toxins, and PCBS. So you're left with Ultra Pure Omega-3 fatty acids. They even have this cool thing they do called the freezer test challenge. Basically, here's what you do. If you freeze any other Omega-3 supplement, it gets cloudy because that's all the filler But an Omax 3 soft gel stays clear. It's that pure. It's clinically tested, certified, and sustainably sourced so it's safe for you and your family. So whether you're an athlete, a student, busy parent, gamer, working professional, almost anybody can benefit from Omax 3 Ultra Pure. It says in Hero G, if you're a gamer, can you imagine gaming so much that your hands get like joint inflammation and pain? I tell you what you got to do then, kids. Put down the controller. Go get some exercise. (laughs) What the hell are you doing if you're a gamer? I can't believe it says gamer. Go to this site. The site is called TryOmax, not just Omax.com. It's TryOmax.com slash SB today. You'll get a box of Omax 3 Ultra Pure for free with your first purchase. That's TryOmax.com slash SB to get your free box of Omega 3 with your first purchase. T-R-Y-O-M-A-X.com slash SB. Terms and conditions apply. And by the way, Omax 3 comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. I like that. So you have plenty of time to try it, and you can feel the Omax difference. Welcome back, Mail Postal Service worker appreciators. I mean, really, who isn't? Anyway, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and this is my tribute to postal workers everywhere. Your trivia. Here's your question. Which significant historical figure has been featured on more post office stamps than any other? With over 50 stamps to his name, 
George Washington is heads and shoulders above the crowd with Abraham Lincoln sitting in second place with 23 stamps. You know, before I researched that, I would have bet you three Sizzler coupons that it was that new up-and-coming artist, Ariana Grande. But she's, she's probably third, I guess. You know, that's what I'm guessing. No matter. Looks like this trivia is sealed, stamped, and delivered. Sealed. Hey, OG, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency put what you value first. And you know what we did? We actually went to the Basement Facebook group. If you want to join us over there, stackybenjamins.com forward slash basement. And we asked them, I'm tired of asking you, OG, what your two things are. You're done. Fired. You're fired. <laughs> so we asked people in the basement what their two things are that they value most. And our good friend, Aaron, who we've known for quite a long time, Aaron says, board games and dog beds, where the dogs settle so we can play board games. Those are the two things that she likes. Okay. Which is just like your family and your time, isn't it? Which is what it says here in my script. If I can play board games, have the dog sit next to the table, fantastic. And that's why they've made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now, and you'll get a free quote there. Their application's simple and online. You get an instant coverage decision. Prices are affordable. Policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than a 160-year-old insurer. It's cool when you can work with an innovative company and still get insurance from a company that's been around. You're not buying it from Larry, who's decided to go into the life insurance business. Might not might not be good. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to our new friend, Zandra. Say hi, Zandra. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Zandra. I've been listening to you guys for about a year now, but I guess that's not quite long enough to learn anything. In a recent podcast, you guys were discussing all-stock portfolios. I have a brokerage account fully invested in a total stock market index fund, VTSAX. I max a Roth IRA, HSA, and a 401k through work, and I have my emergency fund and no debt. I'm 28 and I won't need this money for about 10 years. My question is this. Would you guys recommend branching out to be more weighted in emerging markets and small cap growth funds in addition to VTSAX? I like the possibility of boosting my returns while still staying diversified, but I don't know if holding other funds would just be redundant. I'm also interested in REITs, but I have more digging to do on that. Thanks for taking my question. I may not learn anything, but at least I get a t-shirt. Doug for president. They're already, they're already starting. Doug for president. Doug 2020. Just imagine that campaign. This thing is already going to be a circus. It's a nice write-in, write-in campaign. I like it. <laughs> it's, I think we can get so Brad good. to make a t-shirt. This is neighbor Doug for president. We should. I, I'm going to email him today. I, I am but totally let's not gonna, tell Doug about it. No, no. Oh, can you imagine that ego walking around? No. But but I do think the t-shirt's a good idea. But we'll just tell him that we're going to. And I think, I think Brad's on board. By the way, Xander, this is going to be the year. This is the year you're going to learn something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe during this call. We'll see. Uh, so let's talk. She owns the total stock market index. This is a cool question. Does she add small cap merging markets to that? One of my favorite pieces to look at with market data is JP Morgan's Guide to the Markets. They produce a new one every quarter. You can just Google it. In there, there's like probably freaking 100 pages of content. But somewhere in there is what we call a quilt chart. And Joe, you know what I'm talking about here, but a quilt chart is basically, if you think about the X axis, 
being years, so maybe it goes back 20 years and says, you know, 1996, 97, 98, so on and so forth. And then the vertical axis, axis the y-axis, is going to rank each asset class based on its return for that year. So last year, for example, cash was number one, and you might find emerging market at the bottom or international small cap or something like that. And depending on how detailed that quilt chart is, you know, you can maybe see 10, 15, 20 different asset classes there. The thing with asset allocation is that it's important to be invested in different things across that chart. And so while the total stock market index sounds like you're diversified, and I guess technically you are, you're diversified into the United States stock market, which statistically represents roughly maybe about 50 or 55% of the world's production. So you're missing out on 40 or 50% of the rest of the universe of available investments. And I'm not entirely convinced that it also has an appropriate weighting toward smaller companies that you mentioned there before. So I would add small companies to an investment portfolio. I would add international holdings to an investment portfolio, maybe emerging markets, maybe real estate. All of those things are going to have different pros and cons. What you have to decide is when you put those different pieces together, it changes the risk profile of the overall portfolio. So you're taking different units of risk in return with each one. But when you put it together and you put it in a specific weighting, that changes the risk profile of the whole thing. There's different tools online that you can use to kind of sort through this. But I think you're adding diversification if you add small companies, if you add international and you add real estate. And over a long period of time, you should be hopefully increasing your return and decreasing the volatility. The problem is, is that that doesn't necessarily always happen at the exact time that you want it to. For example, last year, you'd have been better off just being all in cash. And a diversified portfolio still was down 10%. You know, so you have to think about it this like a like a really, really, really long term time frame. You mentioned 10 years, which gets you to 38. So I don't know what's going on at 38 that you need all this money for, but you can set it and forget it for 10 years. I'll tell you what was exciting to me when I started diving into Dr. Harry Markowitz and this idea of the efficient frontier and then modern portfolio theory. And I began experimenting with different asset classes and client portfolios back when I was an advisor. You could add these asset classes that are more volatile than U.S. large cap stocks, and it will make the portfolio less volatile because of the fact that to OG's point, bam, these different asset classes perform differently in different economic conditions. And so adding things that by themselves are more risky, I think actually is going to bring down Xandra's Xander standard deviation on her portfolio, going to bring down the, the wiggle on her portfolio which I find really exciting. I don't like, I've talked about, I'm not a big fan of precious metals, but by themselves, but when I put natural resources or precious metals in a portfolio at a 5% number, it doesn't mess with the long-term returns very much because it's like pepper. I'm just using a little bit of it, but man, does it bring down the, the, the standard deviation on a portfolio. And so you start putting these asset classes together with your U.S. stock market. I don't know that it makes the returns a ton higher, but I think it smooths out the ride getting there. Don't you? 
Yeah, that's exactly what'll happen. Yeah, it's it it's pretty exciting. I really I really love that idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. Now, ten years, and you were kind of hinting at this. I don't know that you out and out said it. That might be a little short to add those two specifically small cap and well emerging markets. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't yeah, I don't know the answer to that. There there's more information needed to answer that question. <laughs> you know, like like do you need some of the money? Do you are you gonna start taking the money out at well, thirty eight in like little bits? Well, but are that's you... my point is if she's taken all the money out in ten years, I'd say no. No. Because you're adding two two pretty aggressive asset classes to that mix. If you said twenty years, I think it's a easy decision. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for the question. Yeah, thanks for the question, Sandra. Love that question. And she is right. She's taking home a greatest money show on earth t-shirt, the Stacky Benjamin Circus shirt, brought to you by Haven Life and by our awesome friend Brad. By the way, if you're looking at, if you want to look at this shirt and other shirts, more swag, uh, we make uh, approximately zero on our swag. We just like having cool shirts that people like to wear. We like to wear them. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash shirts. We haven't talked about that in a while. And you can take a look at Brad's handiwork. Does some awesome stuff. We also get letters down here in the basement. And uh, this one comes from our new friend, Hoy. Hoy says, hello, Doug, Joe and OG. I've been listening to you guys a lot every morning. Really love the show. Thank you, Hoy. Here's my question to you guys. I've been doing great on the retirement plan, 401k, but I also want to contribute to a Roth IRA. Can you guys explain the Roth IRA. What is it and how do you open one? That's the first part of his question. Maybe we tackle that first. A Roth IRA is another retirement type account that allows you to make contributions up to a certain amount this year at $6,000. If you're under the age of 50, you can put that money in. You don't get any tax benefits for putting it in, but the rest of your life and the rest of everybody else's life that that money is around for, the money is tax-free. So the nice thing about a Roth is that, you know, if you start it when you're nice and young, you can contribute $6,000 a year for, you know, 20 or 30 years. That money grows to be, you know, a million dollars. A million dollars comes to you tax-free. It goes to your beneficiaries tax-free. They get to take it out tax-free. Nobody pays taxes on that again. And you can do both if you got a 401k and a Roth. Some income limits and that sort of thing. But Yeah, depending on how much money you make and you want to always check that out online ahead of time to make sure that you're eligible uh, for the Roth. But assuming that you are, doing both is a great idea. Hoy also says, I'm currently making 10% contributions to the 401k on the Mass Mutual portal. Can I also do a Roth IRA on that website or do I have to use a different one? I'm 25 years old and graduated from college last year. I need advice on where to start my savings plan. Thank you. I'm pretty sure that Mass Mutual has an option there. I have no idea what their technology looks like and whether or not you can, quote, open it on the same portal. But I don't know that I would use MassMutual anyway. They're more of an insurance company. Obviously, you've got them for your 401k, but that's something that you have very little control over. There's That's, that's decision-making well above your pay grade, probably. But there's a lot of places you can open a Roth app. You can do both, like I mentioned. Uh, probably the most popular are places like Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, if you want to kind of self-direct it. Schwab has a little bit of a kind of let us help you invest it platform. I'm not sure Fidelity has anything like that. I don't think they do. Fidelity's got their transaction free funds, but no kind of automated program like Schwab does. And then there's countless other ones too. 
Wealthfront, M1, M1 Finance, uh, yeah. Emperor. I mean, you, the list goes on and on and on. So, so I would stick to one of the big custodian companies that you might recognize, Fidelity, Schwab, TD, Vanguard. And then you're going to direct them to open the account. You'll give them some personal information. And then you also have to tell them how to invest it. So you have to look through their list of investment choices and, and tell them how you want to invest it. You can set it up so that you can invest it every single month. Like right now, you get a paycheck every other Friday, maybe. And a little bit goes into your, into your 401k based on your paycheck. You can do the exact same thing with, with your Roth. You can say, every Friday, I want you know 250 bucks to go into my Roth IRA. Boom, done. And then you never have to think about it again. Yeah, you want to remember that the Roth IRA is just the packaging. Like it's a it's a present that has those very specific rules that we talked about, Hoy. That's just the packaging. What the present is on the inside, the actual investment is a totally different decision. And you could put almost any investment you want in there. Now you should probably stick with a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund. That'll give you diversification, put you in a lot of different stocks instead of just one. If you buy an individual stock, you're going to take a lot more risk. If you go through a bank as an example, you'll end up with something like a CD or maybe a savings account inside of that, unless they send you across the aisle to the commission-based advisor at the bank. And I would shy away from that as well. So I hope that helped. I remember being 25 and wondering all these questions, like just a myriad of questions. A great place to start if you like to read. Uh, Rick Edelman's The Truth About Money, I think, is a great book to also pick up if you want more in the weeds discussions on this. Very funny book, but also very thorough and doesn't have an axe to grind. A lot of financial books, I find, have have an axe to grind when it comes to comes to the basic. Of course, Jill, who's just on with, with her new book, if you want to avoid dumb things with your money... Read Jill's book about all the dumb things people do with their money. And oh, you can also avoid. And don't do those. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do those. Right. Thanks for the question. If you've got one, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And you know what? That will get you directly to the Haven Lifeline. And you too can get the greatest money show on earth shirt designed by our good friend, Brad Lark. That's going to do it for today. Thanks to everybody who's left a review of this here show. Mom just put this one on the refrigerator. This is from L Zoomback. Great show, five stars. I was looking for a podcast on personal finance that wasn't going to put me to sleep. Overall, great balance to the show. Joe and OG complement each other so well. And you can't forget about Doug's trivia. Always a pleasure listening to these guys. A plus plus. 2019 will eventually learn something. Man, I hope so. This is the year, guys. This is the one. Might be. And lastly, if you're someone who has learned that you need professional advice in your corner, OG and his firm are taking clients. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG, just the letters OG, and uh, that will lead you to his calendar where you can talk about what it would take to put his team to work for you. All right, that's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Jill Schlesinger. Thinking about adding a complex product to your portfolio? If you don't understand the fees and risks fully, that's a big warning bell. And if someone's really pushing hard for you to invest without understanding it fully, well, that's another big warning bell. Time to run. 
second. Today, Thomas Smythe taught us that there might be more than a couple subscriptions in your budget that you aren't aware of. Either look through your bank statements online or use a service like Trim to help you get rid of unwanted subscriptions. But the big lesson? Don't take some of mom's special brownies out to the postal carrier. When you tell them you've got special brownies, they start talking about Doritos and Taco Bell. And what is that all about? Why do they always do that? Special thanks to Jill Schlesinger for coming by the basement. You can find more from Jill at jillonmoney.com or through our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Another special thanks to Thomas Smythe. You can find the latest from Trim at asktrim.com or, you know, through our show notes page. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Man, I've seen a lot of movies, and I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. So let's uh, cut to one I saw a couple of weeks ago that was just nominated for not only Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, but also for Best Movie in this year's Oscar race, Green Book. Yeah. Some guy called over here, a doctor. He's looking for a driver. You interested? I am not a medical doctor. I'm a musician. I'm about to embark on a concert tour in the Deep South. What other experience do you have? Public relations. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? There's going to be problems. Promise me you're going to write me a letter. I promise. Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. Interacting with some of the wealthiest people in the country. It is my feeling that your addiction Oof. could use some finessing. Why are you breaking my balls? Because you can do better, Mr. Balalonga. You look tired and 
interviewed Dolores. I saw Dr. Shirley play the piano. He's like a genius, I think. Come on, take it easy. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. This gentleman says that I'm not permitted to dine here. I'm afraid not. How does he smile and shake their hands like that? Because it takes courage to change people's hearts. Well, you heard a couple voices there. Marshala Ali plays Dr. Don Shirley, who decides that he's going to take his artistic talent. He's a phenomenal pianist and uh, take the Don Shirley trio around the deep South. Viggo Mortensen plays Tony Lip, a gentleman who, as he said, OG is in public relations, meaning that he's been a bouncer at some of the biggest clubs in, in and around New York. And he's a little bit tied in with the mafia uh, he's one of the strong arm guys that Dr. Shirley thinks that he may need as a driver and somebody to help him as in, I believe the year's 1961 as he's headed around the South and green book. This isn't a spoiler. Green book refers to a book that I first heard about listening to 99% invisible. One of my favorite podcasts. It was a book that people of color would use as they went around the South to make sure that they uh, didn't inadvertently end up in a place where uh, there might be trouble. It was a best-selling guide that people would use to identify places where they'd be welcome. And so uh, when Tony Lip is handed this green book and is told he, he needs to protect Dr. Shirley, as they go around the South, obviously that sets the stage for uh, what you can only imagine would happen in those circumstances. You know, when I first saw the previews for this, I thought, well, this is just another version of Driving Miss Daisy. And on a very, very light level, you could say, yeah, it is. But the relationship between these two actors and the reason why Marshala Ali is up for Best Supporting Actor, Viggo Mortensen is up for Best Actor, is because the relationship between these two guys, and they're so well played, and the script is so well done, and the story is just so riveting, that uh, this was easily, maybe not easily, I really like Black Klansman too, but this was my favorite movie of the year. This was my number one movie. I think... I don't know who wouldn't like this movie. I think you could safely show anybody this movie and they would absolutely love it. I've read some different reviews on the movie. I'm not going to get into some of the some of the negative reviews, which I think are a little misguided, uh, the few negative reviews that I've seen. But I will say you can find them out there. I think I'll leave it at that. But I think that the uh, I think the movie's fantastic. I think it has not just a great message, because as you know, I'm not really into a message hitting me over the head. It's a mm. great, it's a fantastic story about two people working together for a common goal and uh, love that stuff. So Green Book OG, you, you got to see this one. I know you always smile yep. and nod your head when I say go see stuff. You're like, yeah, whatever. All right. But you like Black Klansman. Well, you know, my question is how many explosions are there? Um, I don't know about explosions, but there are some pretty nasty fights in the movie. I gotcha. Okay. Well, as soon as American puts it on their uh, in-flight entertainment. Because you're on a plane half your life. I will. I will be happy to, because uh, that's when I can catch up with all my movies. There is no way this movie won't be on that. You and I I'm both. surprised it hasn't. I, I was actually looking for it when we uh, 
when I flew back from California last week and it wasn't it wasn't on there. I just saw it in the theater. So yeah, I think it's still making the theater rounds, but in the next few weeks it's gotta be. Okay. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.